can't seem to sleep at night Just keep thinking about you
Good afternoon, everybody. This is Global Val, and you've tuned in to MutinyRadio.fm to check out Women's Magazine today. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, wherever you are and whenever you are, because this is a podcast as well. You could be listening to this in the future. But here we are. It is Friday, November 3rd, 2017. I'm going to play a little music for you, and I'll be back. Uh, this is some music from our friend Karaj singing about Highway 1 out here on the West Coast, or as I like to call it, the edge of the Western world. station one with enough power to reach me on this hillside in the rain it's cold in the city colder inside the winter sun never gets real high I'll take you there Travel back alone Looking for some blues To get me home Lost in L.A. Concrete river channels Somewhere south of Bakersfield Broken freeway towers Find another destination A flood with enough power to 
wash its way down the canyon again. Dashboard buzzing, wipers keep in time. Base distorted, the trebles too bright. Reception broken, stations barely glow. Which way to turn when there's nowhere to go? Welcome back, everybody. That's a song about home. That's our friend Karaj Lost Coast. Check out his music. It's really cool. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, very some conscious modern folk music, I'd like to call it. Karaj is spelled K-A-R-A-J, lostcoast.com. I'm Global Val, and you're listening to Women's Magazine, and I'm glad that Karaj was singing about home, because home, home, they always say is where the heart is, but we we have a real critical situation in our country right now, um, both through mass incarceration and specifically the incarceration of immigrants who have been charged with no crime other than being in the country without proper or properly processed documentation. And so 
I was listening to the radio this morning, and my colleagues over at KPFA on the show up front um, were talking with a representative from a group called Civic, um, which whose website is, uh, if you want to check them out, it's called endisolation.org, where they help advocate for access uh, to the people who are inside U.S. immigration detention facilities, most of which are private corporations, for-profit corporations, and yet receive government subsidies uh, for the operation of these facilities to hold, detain, and basically, essentially, imprison uh, humans um, who are have been swept up by ICE, as I like to call them, ICE cold, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Department, um, who have been, uh, I mean, under President Obama, we had the most deportations as under any other president, uh, but we see the, the rhetoric and the um, racist, xenophobic, anti-immigrant uh, atmosphere brought upon, uh, brought into our our uh, front front rooms uh, with this current administration of the current president. You know who it is. He's the one who shall not be named. Um, I mean, I'll, yeah, anyhow, <laughs> 45. Um, so I was listening to the, to the show this morning on KPFA as I was coming over here to Mutiny Radio, actually. And um, I, I just felt like it was such important information that it's worth repeating. So I'm actually going to play a segment from this morning's episode of Upfront, which you can find also on kpfa.org, uh, the archives for today, which is November 3rd, 2017. Upfront is, an, is a news show that uh, starts at 7 a.m. And um, I'm just going to let it speak for itself. Uh, and... Uh, We'll talk about it afterwards. At our studios earlier this morning, highs in the lower 60s and Fresno in the central San Joaquin Valley, cloudy, a chance of rain, high 63 to 68 degrees. I'm Eileen Alfandari, more news on 94.1 at 8 o'clock. Good morning. You're listening to Upfront. I'm Salima Hamarani. Earlier this year, ICE announced that it would seek to start destroying detainee records. The records include all sorts of data about what happens to an immigrant while in detention and include deaths, sexual assault, the use of solitary confinement, and physical abuse by guards. The agency is already shrouded in mystery, and observers worry that destroying detainee records will allow the agency to act with more impunity and without consequence. ICE's attempt to destroy detainee records comes at a startling time in the U.S. President Trump just announced the end of DACA, Deportations have increased, the number of people in detention has increased, and ICE has seen its powers vastly expanded. Joining us is Liz Martinez from the organization Community Initiatives for Visiting Immigrants in Confinement, or CIVIC. So welcome, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. So Liz, can you explain a little bit more about what ICE is trying to do? Yeah, so the ACLU reported um, in August uh, that ICE had asked the National Archives and Records Administration, which is responsible for guiding federal agencies and keeping records, um, asking them for permission to destroy certain kinds of records in a routine fashion. Those records include sexual assault, solitary confinement, and deaths of people in custody. 
And then the federal agency also proposed timelines for destroying these records. For example, 20 years for records on sexual assault and deaths and three years for records documenting solitary confinement. Um, and according to the ACLU, NARA had already, quote, provisionally approved ISIS proposal. Um, and this is very troubling. <laughs> so this has already been partially approved. Does that mean that records have already been destroyed or will be destroyed? So it was up for comment, for public comment. Um, I believe that already ended. Um, so this is going as planned. And it seems like for agencies to not want to preserve the records for a long time is not necessarily new. It's just that for the immigration detention system, for these records to be destroyed, at a time when we're learning more about what is happening, like you said, under this kind of political environment, this is something that is even more important than ever to understand why it's happening and to understand, you know, it's, it's not just ICE destroying these records, it's what is happening in the immigration detention system that we don't know about. And so all of these things are interconnected. Okay, so why is ICE seeking to destroy these records? The agency is already very secretive. So why does it want to become even more so? That's a great question. Um, ICE has already been very opaque, as you said, and on their end, they could you know, say that it's just something routine. There's nothing out of the ordinary, but more stories are coming to light about ICE's wrongdoing. And so I think maybe they are trying to to change the system, and they're emboldened by by Trump in this kind of environment. We we don't know exactly why they're doing it, but it's it's very troubling. You know, you don't have to be an expert in the U.S. immigration detention system to know that when a federal agency wants to destroy records detailing civil and human rights abuses, it should be very alarming. Um, one of our responsibilities as an organization that seeks to end the immigrant prison system in the U.S. You know, it's to track and report these abuses happening across the country. So ISIS plans to destroy these records would only hinder our efforts to inform the public about the inhumane conditions our taxpayer dollars are contributing to and to hold federal officials accountable. What kind of abuse are we talking about? Civic, our responsibility is to, to monitor these facilities. That's what we do. We do it through different ways, through our national visitation program, through our hotline program, um, and we also file Freedom of Information Acts. And so we began to see an increase in complaints of sexual assault in early 2016 through our monitoring of detention facilities. And we decided to see if the government's data was finding a similar pattern. Wait, and this is specifically sexual assault, you said? Yes. And so we filed uh, the Freedom of Information Acts with component agencies within the Department of Homeland Security. And by component agencies, I mean ICE, the Office of the Inspector General, and Office of Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. And the only agency to respond was the Office of the Inspector General. And so we've been able to shed light on what happens in these essential facilities, partly because of the records kept by all these agencies within the DHS. And what we found was a widespread pattern of sexual and physical assault, which you know is one of the, the kinds of records ICE wants to destroy. And so this April, uh, we filed a federal civil rights complaint against ICE documenting rising sexual abuse, assault, and harassment across U.S. immigration detention facilities and a lack of investigation into these reports. Uh, we found, you know, just to give you kind of an overview, we found that between January 2010 and July 2016, the Homeland Security's Office of the Inspector General received over 33,000 complaints of sexual assault or physical abuse against component agencies. But the inspector general investigated less than 1% of these cases. So they received over 33,000 complaints in a six-year span, 
and investigated less than 1%. So that that's what's happening. And in regards to ICE, we also found that more sexual abuse complaints were submitted against ICE than any other DHS component agency, such as Customs and Border Protection, for example. And, you know, one of the individuals who joined our complaint, Rosana Santos, was sexually harassed by a corrections officer in immigration detention at the York County Jail in Pennsylvania. The officer told her that if she did not do whatever he said, that he would sodomize her. Then shortly after filing a complaint about the incident, Rosana was inexplicably placed into solitary confinement for 11 days. And, you know, this is happening to men, to women, transgender immigrants and children. And it's extremely disturbing because, you know, immigrants endure terrible conditions locked up in these immigrant prisons. And those who have survived sexual trauma and detention are then re-victimized by an ineffective or non-existent investigation process by not properly investigating each allegation of sexual assault. And then, you know, ICE is wanting to destroy these records it just compounds the issue. So where are they taking place? Are they government facilities? Are they private? Are they public or private? So two-thirds of immigrants in attention are imprisoned in private for-profit immigrant prisons. Those two companies that operate the vast majority of these immigration detention centers are Geo Group and CCA, which is now called Core Civic and which makes my job, because I'm part of Civic, a little bit hard because of the name confusion, so something to, to distinguish. But they're making a profit out of putting people in detention, and so many have come under fire for the kind of treatment that immigrants experience in these detention centers because they're there for their shareholders. They're there to make a profit. And so they're going to cut corners, and they're not going to provide the medical assistance that immigrants need, or they're going to serve food that's you know, not adequate. And they're making so much money out of this. Washington Post reported that in the past 10 years, the federal government has paid Geo Group, which is one of the main prison companies and its subsidiaries, more than $4 billion. And this is according to federal contracting records. And what we also found in our sexual assault complaint was that the top five detention centers that had the highest number of calls related to sexual assault complaints were all in private for-profit companies. So how is it legal for a government agency to destroy files on people that are under its jurisdiction and care? Well, that's a great question. Um, I mean, they're asking for NARA's permission. And if NARA provisionally approves it, you know, it's possible. Um, The way that NARA justified destroying records on detainee deaths after 20 years is saying they have, quote, little or no research value. Okay, that's for deaths of detainees, okay? They said they have no research value so that the records should be destroyed? Basically, yeah, that after 20 years, they have little or no research value. And the other thing is um, they also justify the destruction of records on sexual assault and deaths by saying that they both don't, quote, document significant actions of federal officials. You know, they do document significant actions of federal officials. They're there because of that. You know, the people who are committing sexual assault, they're the guards, um, they can be even some of the medical staff in there. And so it is, you know, it's like trying to erase people's history within these, it's civil confinement. They're not even there for criminal reasons. It's for civil confinement. The other thing that that's striking to me about this particular thing with ICE is that, you know, they want to destroy records mm-hmm. on detainees. And at the same time, we recently learned that DHS is looking to uh, monitor immigrants over social media and keep their records forever. Exactly. So there seems to it's, be this unequal 
application. Right, it's double standard. Yes, it's double standard. Yeah. It's double standards. It's so hypocritical for DHS to be spying on immigrants in spaces that are public while not holding themselves accountable in the spaces they've intentionally kept private. And, you know, even I think BuzzFeed noted that they found that the DHS pilot programs for using social media to screen applicants for immigration benefits lack criteria to determine if they were even effective. And so these taxes are just fear tactics. That's what they're doing. And speaking of destroying data, I think it's important also to recognize that this is this is a pattern across the Trump administration. You know, we've seen it with the EPA scrubbing important climate change data from their website. Political had a story not too long ago on the occupational safety and health administration, how it scrubbed worker deaths from its front page and buried it on their website. So I call this textbook totalitarianism because any organization or agency that wants to destroy its records wants to operate with impunity. And that is so scary. Well, thank you so much, Liz. Thank you. You were just listening to Liz Martinez from Civic talking about ICE and its attempts to destroy the records of detainees. Good morning. You're listening to Upfront. I'm Salima Hamarani. Early this month, a woman told the judge presiding over her immigration to please deport her because she could no longer stand the conditions in the detention center in which she was being held. The detention center is in Richmond, in Contra Costa County, and her allegations have sparked an investigation into the center and how people within the women's wing are being held. Joining us is Otis Taylor. Otis is a journalist with the SF Chronicle, and he spoke to several women in the Richmond Detention Center and visited the center itself. So welcome, Otis. Hi. Thank you for having me. So, Otis, you ended up getting a tour of the Richmond facility because you'd spoken to Deanna Patricia Menendez about the conditions there. What did she describe? Well, she described, uh, which I was taken aback, she described having to use the bathroom in a bag in her cell. And she had told me that the cells were so tiny and that they didn't have bathroom. I was taken aback. One, she was using the bathroom in her cell in a bag. Why isn't, she, why isn't she using a toilet? And that's what led me on this quest because I had not heard of jail cells not having toilets. And that wasn't the only bad condition that she described. What else did she say? Well, she described not being able to get out of their cells, like having 23-hour lockdowns, and then also uh, having their free time taken away. And their free time could be used for anything from exercise to bathing. And so she would say, told me she would go days without bathing because they wouldn't have their free time to do such things. And so if she wasn't able to use the bathroom in the toilet, how was she going to the bathroom? Well, she told me uh, the first time it happened, she used a, a bag that they um, kept laundry in. And she put it in a trash can and then she squatted over it. Another time where um, one of her cellmates had to use uh, one of these red biodegradable bags. They call them red bags in, in the jail. And ostensibly they're used for people who are going through drug withdrawals, people who are vomiting because they're, they're sick. But some of the women, including uh, Diani, who, who actually goes by Patty, uh, told me that the women were using them to actually relieve themselves when they were kept on lockdown. She also said that she could hear other women screaming. Is that true? I didn't hear that on my tour of the jail. But when I was allowed to talk to other inmates, they told me, yes, some women who are going through some things once they get in there, um, they speculate it's related to drugs. I, I'm not sure, but they said, yes, some people do um, get a little aggressive in their cells because they're, they're having their own problems. And it's 
up to the women to calm them down because the deputies, they said, would just ignore basically that noise. So also if they're, if they're being held in their cells for 23 hours a day, those are solitary confinement conditions. I, I would tend to agree. But I, uh, to, be, to be fair, uh, I talked to several jail officials who told me that wasn't the case. And I expected it, but on my tour, I thought that they would show me a version of the jail that they wanted to. I was very surprised that they actually let me talk to as many inmates as they did. But one of the uh, captain, sheriff's captains was adamant about saying that we don't lock these women down. Now, I don't know if he uh, knows what's going on in the jail because it's not them that's actually taking care of the women. It's the deputies. And so I wasn't able to actually talk to any deputies. I was talking to their supervisors and superiors. And just to clarify, this is a detention facility that ICE runs, mm. but it's under... Yeah. So it's a detention facility, a minimum security detention facility in Richmond. ICE has a contract with Contra Costa County to have their detainees held there. ICE hold detainees in nine jails in California, and this is uh, one of those nine. And so at any one time, they can have 269 or less inmates. When I visited on Tuesday, there were 214. That number always fluctuates. Here's the thing that was so surprising about the women's accusations. West County, I've heard from attorneys, I've heard from um, also inmates, is the best place to be if you're an ICE detainee because West County allows people, the attorneys, to unfettered access in and out of the jail to visit their clients. And also uh, West County allows visitation for ICE detainees, which... I hear some in some jails aren't allowed that, but West County has programs where volunteer organizations come in weekly to meet with detainees who have no access to the outside world, who need help contacting their family. I mean, uh, Diani, uh, her, oh, one of her, uh, the volunteers for this organization actually like helped her with getting her son a passport so he could come visit her in Honduras. And so West County does allow this access. That's what really surprised me because I've heard that from attorneys. I've heard that from in inmates, heard that from organizations. How could this be happening in, in a jail? And I talked to attorneys. I talked to uh, more than one inmate and they said, yes, this is happening. So that's where uh, that really started this quest to answer that question. Um, is this happening and, and why? So let's talk to me about your tour, because I want to ask you a little bit about what some of the other inmates have said about their treatment in the facility. But also you went on this kind of guided tour of the facility. What happened on the tour and did it corroborate what you were hearing from um, Menendez? No, the tour didn't corroborate that. Uh, what the tour showed me was that West County is unlike any jail that I had ever experienced uh, as a reporter, because the inmates walk single file with their hands behind their backs. There are, there are no handcuffs. There are no chains. And there's 800 uh, inmates, you know, county and ICE, a uh, uh, combination of county and ICE uh, inmates there, and there's only 15 guards on duty at a time. 
I mean, it is minimum security. I went and saw classes where people were doing arts and crafts, where they were doing computer graphics, where, you know, I, I mentioned engraving and printmaking. I mean, they had uh, inmates working with pick pickaxes and digging digging up dirt. It was there's a there's garden <laughs> there. It, it was it looked like a community garden if you didn't notice the high chain link fences and uh, the barbed wire on top of them. Uh, and then when we went into the dormitories, I did see how small the, the cells were that, it, and I just imagined like, what if I was held in here for 23 hours a day? How would that feel? And I wouldn't want any part of that. But I was really surprised when women told me that they weren't allowed the necessary access to health care that they needed. Now, we know that jails uh, in general, that some um, there have been complaints from uh, prisoner form organizations who want better access to health care for inmates. But uh, there was a woman, a young woman, um, younger than 30, who showed me this lump on her waistline that just, it, it was scary. I mean, if, you know, you're in a outside, you know, that's something that your doctor is taking, you know, paying attention to. And what, what do you mean a lump? It was just something growing on her yeah, stomach? Yeah, yeah. And you could, you could visibly see it? Yeah, so she um, pulled up her shirt and then I pointed to her waistband and then uh, splayed her fingers out over it. And this thing was like the size of a fist, but it was there on her waistline. And she's like, she's just, I don't know what this is. And and had she tried to get medical treatment for it? That's that's what she claims. Now, um, to their credit, the officials who take who took me on the tour said that, um, look, any of these women that you talk to that they mention something, um, let us know, and we'll look into it. So, I mean, here's, you know, these women bravely went on the record in front of the jail officials and were like, this is, these are the conditions. I thought they might be scared because, because many of them don't want to get deported. Many of them have children, young children that are in this country, that were born in this country, that they want to be a mother to. They don't want to go to places they haven't visited in 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years in some cases. Um... But I was surprised at how willing they were to talk. And, you know, yes, uh, I talked to one woman about using a bathroom in a cell, but I talked to several more about, you know, their access to health care. There's one woman that fell off a, a bunk. She does not have a charge right now. She's just stuck in there trying to get out. But right now, she just wants this arm that she can't use looked at. Um, and I heard other similar stories like that. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping with this piece that those will be addressed because it doesn't matter if you're incarcerated or not. Uh, you know, there's a level of humanity that needs to be uh, addressed and the people need to be taken care of, especially if you have a lump grown on your waistline. Like that's it's 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 basic humanity right there for me. You also talked to prison officials, and I'm curious to know what they said about these accusations. They were surprised. I couldn't tell, um, and this is just my opinion, I couldn't tell if they were surprised that it had gotten out to the point where the Chronicle was actively um, reporting on the incidents, or if they were generally surprised uh, genuinely surprised that um, this was happening. 
Now, I did learn that the red bag, as as the woman call it, that the red bag had come up um, while the jail was being audited by a prison watch group. And that was my question to the jail officials, just flatly, thank you for allowing this tour, thank you for having me, but, you know, if one person says it, okay, another person says it, okay, but then if a third person says it, and then you call some unaffiliated person lawyer who's, and they say, yes, oh, my clients have said that, and then you talk to a a volunteer group, oh, yes, we have heard those stories, Um, to me, that's not a coordinated effort to put a story out there. That's just people talking about what's happening to them. So the answer that I got um, was, you know, deflecting, no, that's not happening, um, to, you know, maybe the detainees have something against us because um, this, you know, they don't like their conditions here. They don't want to be detained. Um, I think that it did catch some of the officials off guard. I know it caught uh, his county supervisor that I, I, I spoke with off guard. And so um, and it caught, it caught um, the prison law office. I spoke to them. They've been investigating Contra Costa County for over a year. That caught, They weren't aware of that. But it's something to look at. I wasn't aware of it until um, someone who had had enough and rather than stay here with their children, they asked to be deported. So that this woman owns a house has kids in the United States who were born here, and she chose to go home because she didn't want to live like that anymore. And that's a really interesting point because somebody's asking to be deported when she has a life in the United States. And she actually tried to come back several times to be with her family. When she asked to be deported rather than stay in this detention facility because the conditions are so bad. And... Another thing that I just don't want to have it lost on the bravery of of these women because I get to leave, go home. They were talking to me. They signed waivers for photos and to be interviewed in front of the jail officials. So there there could be retaliation. I'm not saying there is. I'm not making an accusation. I'm just saying that there is that possibility when you were left behind to go behind the door and you're locked into a cell. Like, who knows what happens? But still, they they were willing to come forward. And just the emotion I saw on some of their faces, um, there was one woman whose young daughter is is in foster care right now because um, her husband doesn't want to take care of the daughter. And this woman doesn't have a charge, but she doesn't have $5,000 to bail herself out. And she was just broken. She couldn't even get her words out and just to watch the women comfort her and then wait until she got another chance to talk. But they had to wait in line. There were uh, like eight or ten women, eight to ten women that I spoke to uh, for more than five minutes about what's going on with them. And I mean, it's just chilling that they're hurting so much. And, you know, out here we're trying to uh, the the this nativist message out here is like, you know, let's build the wall or let's put people back in their country. It's like, no, they live here. Their family is here. They want to contribute here. I mean, some of them, yes, have gone in trouble, but some of these women were just picked up. One woman to talked to is just, oh, the cops come. Her husband's a citizen. She's not. Guess who they take? They take her. So um, I'm just trying to give voice to these women because, um, as you know, uh, we've spent 
decades not listening to women, and that's coming back to bite a lot of us right now. And so it's it's time to, I couldn't walk away from this because if, if a woman was willing to give up uh, her life here in the United States because of conditions in jail, that's something to listen to because this is a mother we're talking about. That means something. Well, thank you so much. Ah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was Otis Taylor talking about the conditions within the Richmond Detention Center, which some women claim are so bad they'd rather be deported. And that does it for today's show. A big thanks to everyone who makes the show happen. Our producers are Lucy Kang with help from Deanna Martinez. Our engineer is Rod Ackill. Our interns are Samantha Shadrow and Julia Reichard. Our hosts are, of course, Kat Brooks, Brian Edwards-Tekert, and me, Salima Hamarani. Also, Mitch Jezrich and Eileen Alfandari. Stay tuned for Rising Up with Sonali Kalhatkar. So you are listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. That was a broadcast from KPFA.org this morning, Friday, November 3rd, 2017. You can check out the full archive of the show up front on KPFA.org and check out the archives. But as I listened to that story this morning, um, I just, I was just so shaken by it. Um, I mean, not just hearing the stories of the um, conditions within immigration detention facilities, which are largely privately owned for-profit corporations um, that get government subsidies uh, in order to detain or imprison um, what are being deemed illegal immigrants. Um, but the fact that ICE uh, has made the request to have records of sexual assault, deaths, um, other physical assault, uh, solitary confinement complaints, um, that ICE has made and in a limited fashion been granted uh, their request to destroy records of of these complaints of things that have happened inside immigration detention facilities, um, trying to say that w they can, you know, well, we just want to destroy records, you know, like if it's like a, a, a sexual assault allegation, we can destroy those records after 20 years. Or if there was a death inside the facility, we can destroy those records after 20 years. You know, I mean, coming at it from this very kind of clinical bureaucratic, you know, st uh, standpoint and saying, well, you know, we just got to clear out these old records. But I like how the host made the point also that conversely, Department of Homeland Security is trying to get more access to immigrants who are coming into the country into their social media, which is a, a much more public plat uh, you know, platform um, saying that they want to retrieve all of their social media records to try to make sure that these people are okay to like come in. I mean, I've seen, there's people on Facebook I would never be friends with and they're Americans. So it's like, you've got these, these horrible double standards and, and it's, and it is, uh, like they were speaking about a fear tactic. It's making, keeping people afraid. Um, you know, either, keeping people out of the country, which is a huge, huge, huge mistake, I think, in so many ways. I mean, people come into this country for so many reasons, whether they're visiting or trying to immigrate, or if they're a refugee trying to immigrate, um, or if they're coming here for work, or if they're coming here for school. Um, you know, it's, it's keeping people from wanting to come here in, in, to a degree. 
Um, but also just making people who already are here for whatever reason and by whatever means, um, whether they were born here or not, uh, trying to keep people fearful with these, um, you know, practices and, and laws that will detain a mother of young children, um, for no, you know, crime other than not having proper documentation, uh, for, it's it's really a, a a humanitarian crisis, and what's kind of interesting about this interview that they did um, and talking about the facility, which is in Richmond, California, it's about twenty minutes from where we are right now, um, and some of the conditions there, and saying that actually that facility is better than most other facilities, and yet you know, you have these uh, horrific complaints coming out. And I also appreciate um, Otis's note right at the end of, it, of the interview saying that, um, you know, pe people, society hasn't been listening to women for a long time. And I was thinking about that even before this, uh, I listened to the show today with all of these, you know, stories of sexual assault and rape uh, and sexual harassment coming out of Hollywood, which to me is like not really a big shock. But um, at the same time, you think about the media and, and, and who gets uh, blamed for everything. You know, if men come out and start talking about a woman's sexual activity, all of a sudden the media jumps on the woman and, uh, you know, assumes the worst, right? Um, but conversely, even though we've had this huge outrage against um, the sexual assault allegations coming out against producers and actors and all these all these Hollywood folks, um, you know, and and there has obviously been a lot of judgment without the jury, but at the same time, uh, so much willingness to like not believe women and not trust them and not take their stories seriously. And in so many cases of rape that have actually gone forward and gone to court, the, the attorneys will stand there and just, just berate the women and make them try to feel ashamed of themselves or try to admit that it was uh, their fault or to try to admit that they're lying or trying to make it up that, that these women are lying and not telling the truth. We need to, we need to believe women <laughs> and men and all of these people and transgender people who are, are coming out and saying these terrible things have happened and there's been no recourse. There's been no justice there uh, you know and so when we look at 2017 right now with so many people in this country who are being literally swept up in raids home invasions by ice uh and put into these detention facilities which we can call prisons because they're operated like prisons and to have 33,000 accusations about sexual assault in one last year um, alone is horrendous. And this is something, if you rushed to the fucking airports because of the travel ban, this is infuriating. And this is just downright scary. 
it's, it's a level of operation that we cannot ignore, even if it's been ignored before. Somehow or another, take action. Have a conversation. I'm letting people know right now through mutinyradio.fm uh, about ICE wanting to destroy these records because as they noted in the interview, it's destroying people's history. Can you imagine if you had somebody in your family and they were detained and they died in detention and nothing ever happened and you always wondered what happened and you knew that there was never going to be any justice and then 20 years later they just erased the whole thing off the books. Think about that. And, and think about the humanity and don't let this seem like something that is just, well, it's part of the course. It's been happening since Obama. No, it's been happening for a long time. We cannot sit by and let it happen anymore because it's getting worse and worse. So do something, have a conversation, educate someone, contact your local officials, hold a vigil, get together, organize, write letters, um, contact this group that is, um, that is helping, um, to end isolation. They're called civic, um, and their, their website is endisolation.org, E-N-D-I-S-O-L-A-T-I-O-N, endisolation.org. And, 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 and see how you can help and how you can get involved because there's, over 400,000 immigrants that disappear into a network of 250 jails and private prisons across the United States every year. They have no right to a free phone call. Sometimes they're charged $5 a minute. They don't necessarily have a right to have visitors. Um, and this, this is a humanitarian crisis happening right here in our country right under our noses, right over here in Richmond, California, and throughout the state of California and throughout the United States. So this is not something to ignore anymore. I'm going to go back to the, my favorite new slang of the year, which is stay woke. So here's some music on these lines from Rasteria, uh, Renee Asteria, and she's got a very poignant song called Illegal.
right folks we've got international rights there's a united nations declaration of international rights which talks about the freedom of movement and that means going to and from countries crossing borders and artificial lines as such here's a poem for you folks called the fabric of society and it's based on some true stories voyager emigrant Refugee. What can you carry across the sea? Grandmother's recipes stuffed into your basket. A little cash stuffed into your bra. A packet of your favorite heirloom seeds and dreams of the soil that it may feed. Compelled to leave with a head full of curls and the need to breathe free. Free from the noxious gases, from the warring factions, from the abject poverty. Free from the small minds of kings and priests and families. What would you do? What would you take with you if you were forced to leave with only your bravery? Would you, like our Syrian sister from Aleppo, fashion a dress to remember all that you know? Features of an ancient city now bombed, its people and landmarks gone. But she wears her home on her sleeve and in her pleats, reaching for sanctuary, for hands to hold, for the door open, for warmth in the cold, so that she may live to be the bold, beautiful, brilliant adventurer inside us all. I'm Global Val. I'm going to be reading at the Hazel Reading Series, which is an all-women's reading series that happens once a month. And that is coming up this Thursday evening. Let me get to those details real quick. I have them right here. It's going to be from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Mission Cultural Center for Latino Arts. That is at 2868 Mission Street. And again, that's Thursday, November 9th, 7 to 9 p.m., the Hazel Reading Series. And I want to thank E.K. Keith for nominating me to be a reader this month. And I will be nominating a different reader for their next um, series. So it's a it's a kind of a snowball effect. So I'm really looking forward to being a part of that um, and sharing some poetry. And there'll be other works of women writers as well. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Common Thread Collective is coming up next. And remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like reversing a horrendous, inhumane system of detention, uh, inspiration is contagious. Peace.